Chris Gausel here with Nahal. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to do you a kindness. We're going to discuss Adama Ebo's Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, featuring Regina Hall, Sterling K. Brown, and a story of, well, we'll let Matt explain that. I think it's better when Matt explains things, because I don't I do not do good with the wordy, wordy stuff, the, the verbal picture telling. I'm not good at it, Matt. I'm not good. And then also we're going to discuss Rebecca Hall's streak. Uh, she's been in quite a lot of interesting projects the last few years, and I've been a big uh, champion of hers for a while now. And she returns with Tim Roth in the film Resurrection, which is a pretty straightforward kind of paranoia, um, you know, stalker thriller until it isn't. We'll then talk about the big releases in physical media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then it's the return of everybody's favorite fill-in-the-blank game, TFR Lives. But Matt, let's start everything off with a clip from Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. First Lady, Sister Danetta. <laughs> How are you? Oh, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> oh, bless your hearts. Look at you. And bless also your own heart. And they are? Oh, well, we're just documenting this time in our lives. Me and Lee Curtis, obviously, with that, you know, building our church back up and working towards our first service back this Easter. Easter, you say? Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. <laughs> You know that's when the Sumters are opening up their new Heaven's House location. Right. The Sumters? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm. That's Easter? <laughs> yes. Of course, this might make things a little more complicated for y'all. <laughs> ah, Matt, from what I understand, bless your heart is... An oh, insult, yeah. basically, oh, yeah. from the South. Now, I'm not a local. Mm-hmm. I'm not a native. You're from the deep South. Yeah, that's, that's that kind me. of thing. That's right, yep. <laughs> so, is, is that accurate? Someone says, bless your heart. Oh, They're yeah. basically saying what? Like, yeah, I mean, it really depends on the context. I mean, um, usually it means that, like, it usually means, like, man, you're such an idiot. Like, I feel bad for you kind of thing. Um, mm. So, like, but it can mean... Again, depending on how you use it, but it's almost never a good thing. That's you know what I'd like that better than what you normally say to me, which is you don't know shit, Chris. <laughs> so, but that's I'll, fine. Well, bless your heart. I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> Matt, what is "Long for Jesus"? Save your soul. Emphasis mm. added. Uh, all about. All right. So, um, it is a documentary crew is following a um, pastor and his wife. Um, of a mega church in, um, uh, I guess, the greater Atlanta metropolitan area in Georgia that has um, fallen to some kind of scandal and they have lost all of their parishioners. You know, all the money is dried up. Um, their lavish lifestyle is not being left. Um, they have no flock anymore. And they decide that they're going to bring along this camera crew to kind of um, film them coming back to prominence and their plans to win their flock back. Proves more difficult than they may have imagined, and um, things start to unfold slowly throughout the film. Good times. Sounds great. Sounds horrible. Uh, Matt, so I've always kind of enjoyed films that take an skewed view of certain subjects. 
Um, religion, of course, being one of them back in my, I don't know if I was ever quite an a-hole atheist days, but I, I tiptoed up to that line. Now, I've really eased up on that kind of stuff in my old age. I've perhaps gathered some wisdom. But what are your thoughts on Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, and its kind of mockumentary style that really takes some, I think, unusual turns? Yeah. So, I mean, I had seen the commercials for this um, kind of leading up to the release, and I was expecting maybe more of like a straight up comedy, I think. Um, something that maybe skewered this kind of idea of these kind of mega churches and um, mm-hmm. the kind of, you know, they're so focused on saving people's souls and all the good they do for the computer, but at the same time, you have these pastors who are wearing Prada suits and they're driving Lamborghinis and they have, you know, um, 12,000 square foot mansions and all this stuff. Um, and like, what is, you know, why are you drawing the line? I was expecting more of like a send up of that kind of stuff with maybe some kind of tone deaf, um, you know, um, posturing on behalf of, you know, uh, Sterling K Brown and, and Regina Hall's characters. And we do get that to a, a point, but it's not, it's not really a comedy. It's more like it weird, walks this weird line between a comedy and having this kind of critique of these mega churches. And I don't know. I think if it had committed more to one or the other, it might've worked out a little bit better. Um, but it, I don't know. I think it kind of t- tries to toe this line and it's not a hundred percent effective. Yeah. Initially I'm watching this thing and I was impressed by like how unfunny it was. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking maybe it's just, just tonally it's a mess. Yeah. But I don't think in the case, in this case, that's what's happening. I think they're making a very, very, very dark satire. And I think there are some humorous moments, and I think the film is mostly buoyed by Regina Hall. I think mm-hmm. she really carries this thing. She has this, there's some humor, but also some turmoil and this raging storm boiling underneath her, right? And what's interesting is she's at once the victim of her husband's misdeed and it's clearly he's like some kind of goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus but (laughs) (laughs) i just watched that yesterday i forgot about that line it's so good but at the same time she's at once victim and perpetrator right Mm -hmm. so it's i don't know I really struggled with this thing because I thought a lot of there were parts of it that was very interesting and other parts of it that just didn't really work at all. I think it has some amusing moments, but the material veers into this truly these heavy revelations that seem mm-hmm. to really push back against the film's lighter aspects and its social commentary on the megachurches, like you say, is I think at times a little weak. It's not particularly biting in its commentary. It's because a lot of it's just kind of obvious stuff that is just kind of in the cultural, you know, right. sky at this point with this stuff. And it's it's more right. kind of slightly unsettling and just sad. Yeah. I think a lot of the stuff that they play for jokes kind of comes as this desperate grasping and like of someone who has doesn't understand why they've lost what they've lost and it doesn't come off as funny. It comes off as pathetic. Um, and you know, I was like, you know, 
whatever you think about some of these mega churches, I think some of these guys, you know, things like um, Ken Copeland come to mind, who's just a Osteen, ghoulish Osteen. monster. Yeah, the, I mean, these guys are just... And, and I, as Chris pointed out, you know, I am um, from the Southern Boy uh, uh, school here, and I have family who attend these kind of mega church kind of things, and it's just always just baffles me how they just kind of fall for it. Like, you know, they don't, they just kind of fall for this thing, hook, line, and finger that, yes, they deserve, you know, a helicopter or whatever the hell it is they got. And they don't. I mean, it kind of goes against the whole charity aspect of, um, you know, what are supposedly the teachings they're trying to preach. Um, now, I, I will say, I think that this is partially based on true life. The events of um, Eddie Long, who was a, a uh, pastor, Eddie Long, who was a, Mega church pastor in DeKalb County, Georgia, who was faced with a sexual scandal that was very similar to what is point, portrayed in um, Darlene K. Brown's character. So I think that is a bit of a trapping that there is why it is the way it is, is because this is supposed to be partly like Eddie Long. But again, I think if you were going to do like a straight up send up, but you don't want to, or a kind of telling of Eddie Long's story. That might have been better if you were just trying to avoid, you know, being sued, changing the names, but keeping the details. But yeah, I don't know. For me, this wasn't really successful. I was kind of looking forward to this, but I was hoping it would be funnier than it was. Yeah, it's and his dalliances, for like a better term, too. I think what adds a dimension of darkness to the film because it's not like he's just stepping out. There's undertones. I like you can even call them that. Of like manipulation and abuse, and grooming. I don't. What's that? Grooming. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if they're quite minors. I mean, he mm-hmm. does talk to an uh, an old, like about an eighteen year old at one point as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe it's right on the. I don't know. It just I think some of that stuff it it needs the black comedy to offset. I think about how dark it is a little bit, and the the comedy part aspect of it isn't really there. For the right. most part, maybe it's in the excess in the spending, all right. But that's it, and then it and it just shifts into this sexual predation predation that is just deeply unsettling. And I think another part of the film too that doesn't really work for me, which is a crazy thing for me to say, is Sterling K. Brown. I think he is one of the most intense, exciting, and exhilarating actors working today. Everything I've seen him in, I've always been riveted by his performance. But I wonder if this, this is just not the right venue for his talents. Mm. Because he is so effective in that type of a role that it just it comes off as very off-putting. Maybe it's yeah. then a success of his performance. But I I don't know. Like when I think about him as playing the father in waves, you want to talk about a really intense performance. And I've I've always loved him, but just it just doesn't none of it sits right with me. I just don't know if it was the right if he was the right actor for this role. I think it maybe needed more of a guy who has a little bit of a wink and a smirk and a grin in his mm-hmm. in his um I don't know in his presence. That just Brown yeah. is just I think perhaps too intense and too mm-hmm. I'm not sure. So I don't know, a lot of it is just I don't know, Matt. I'm going to end up giving this a C minus. Where do you come down? Yeah, I think I'm coming down on a C minus as well. I think uh, Regina Hall, I think, does her best. She's game to try and carry this as best as she can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sterling K. Brown, 
you know, I like him a lot, and I think Chris has hit the nail on the head, although he does bring, like, a desperation to it that really kind of comes over, which I think is, you know, a part of what the point of this role is. But, you know, two okay to middling performances really can't save this thing. I think it's um, overall uh, a disappointment. So this is written and directed by uh, Adama Ibo based on her short, which was okay. exciting enough for uh, Jordan Peele and Danielle Kaluuya to be evolved to help produce the film, the big you know future version of it. And I okay. think there's enough interesting things scattered throughout this where I'd be interested to see with what she comes up with next. I just mm-hmm. think, I don't know, we got to, I don't know, fine tune some of the stuff, I think, basically a little bit. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what she does next. I'm always interested in new, fresh voices. So hopefully um, we'll see something a little more, I don't know, focused, a little more consistent. Uh, Or maybe she leans into this dark stuff even more and we'll find something surprising and engaging there. I'm not sure. So, Matt, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul is currently playing in theaters and streaming on Peacock. You know what? I pulled the trigger on Peacock because, well... It was 20 bucks for a year. That's true. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, geez, that's 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 what, $5? Yeah. No, it's less than that. It's much less it's than that. It's way less than that. It's, it's way like less than that. It's 75 yeah. cents or something like that a month. Yeah, 85 it's like, cents. It's like, yeah, it's like $1.50 a month, basically. That's how good I am at math. So... <laughs> does. I go from 5 bucks to... <laughs> Uh, you don't know shit, Chris. Clearly. I was a C student at math at the best. You know, I had to take algebra twice. That's how Did bad you? I was at. It's funny. I, I got a, I think they mercy passed me for the first time mm-hmm. I took it. And mm-hmm. then I changed schools. And so I had to yeah. take it again. What was funny is for some reason, the second season, the second time I took it, I aced it. I went from like a D to an A. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what it was. Maybe I had a much better teacher or... Maybe it was just all sitting there waiting in the back of your mind. Waiting, waiting Had to be unlocked, mind. yeah. Like yeah, Matt Damon, so. Goodwill Hunting style. I was... Uh, there you go. Yeah. Well, I don't know what it is. My brain just doesn't work that way. I'm an artist. You know? Math yeah, isn't my yeah. thing. So if you had a chance to see Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We would love to hear from... Yes, you. We'd love to hear from you. Matt, coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, September 13th. We're going to start changing this segment, and we'll get more detailed on that. We may change some other parts of the show, too. Things are changing in my life, so I am wondering about where maybe some make some format updates to the big show. We're st- don't get freaked out. We're not going anywhere. Everything's going to kind of still be pretty much consistent, but this section may get trimmed a bit. Maybe I'll focus on more important things. I don't know. But you're going to join us on that journey, and I'm very excited about it. Matt, coming up in 4K UHD from Scream Factory. Enjoy. Hi. Hi. How far are you going? Other side of town. It's close enough. Make it? Yeah. Thank you. Listen, I never hitchhiked before. I just really want to be careful. Can I ask you something? Sure. Are you weird? 
Yes, I am. Yes, I am weird. You are weird. Yes. You're weird, thank God. <laughs> the last one I had was so normal, it was disgusting. Pick me up in Santa Barbara. By the time we got to Carmel, he wanted to marry me. Oh, yeah. I thought you never hitchhiked before. Not before last week. You're my... 13th ride. Oh, great. Weird and unlucky. We'll see. A uh, mustache-less Tom Atkins, one of the, um, I guess, how do you say it? Goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. From the uh, 80s, Tom Atkins, um, of course, picks up hitchhiker Jamie Lee Curtis and gets to have relations with her, which is probably the greatest thing that ever happened to Tom Atkins in his entire life. (laughs) But uh, because, of course, this is all in John Carpenter's ghost thriller, The Fog getting a UHD release from Scream Factory. Matt, they have a 200 I love this, $200.96 special edition of this, well, which includes a limited edition steelbook, uh, a NECA figure, uh, which is going to be of Stevie, Adrian Barbeau's character. You actually get an action figure of Adrian Barbeau, which nice. I think uh, 12-year-old me would have been all over, and uh, <laughs> literally, literally and figuratively, and as well as a... Uh, like a six, seven inch vinyl of a mm. uh, newly recorded version of the fog theme by John Carpenter. And yeah. as well as a unreleased track from the soundtrack that was newly recorded as well. Uh, includes audio commentaries and a, a brand new Dolby Atmos track and newly restored original mono track as well. They'll have, they'll have traditional standalone editions of the movie. This $200 version though, Matt, comes with it in UHD as well as a steelbook. So you get both versions comes in a nice box. There's a bunch of little stuff. There's a pin of the lighthouse. So if you want to go big, you can get the $200 set. They have a $100 set that has the figure as well as the soundtrack and a poster and the UHD No Steel book as well on that one. And then, like I said, the traditional versions of it. So you can pick up the fog. Uh, Also coming up, Matt, is Boz Lerman's Elvis, which I have not seen yet, which is actually all available on HBO Max now, I think. Oh. So I do want to check that out. I know uh, I teased you going back and forth on watching that, like I used to torture you, and we eventually did watch Azaguchi, uh, but uh, <laughs> still, Elvis uh, in 4K includes a Dolby Vision and an Atmos track, and some making of featurettes. Lightyear, the latest Pixar film, is being released as well, includes an audio commentary and some making of featurettes on that one, as well as six deleted scenes. Where the Crawdads Sing which is a movie we had on the schedule, but due to, I think, my illness, something, we didn't actually go see it. This is based on a best-selling novel about a woman who is raised in uh, Matt's country, the Deep South, and she becomes a suspect of the murder of a man she was once involved with. I include some 14 deleted and extended scenes, uh, making up featurettes, comparison to the book and the movie. But the craziest thing, Matt, about this is mm-hmm. that the uh, author of the original book is now being investigated for actually killing somebody. So they oh. think maybe that the story she told in the book, yeah, she may have done it. So uh, they're <laughs> okay. Real life collides. Uh, also coming up is the, the excuse me, the Forgiven, featuring Ray Fiennes, Caleb Landry Jones, and Jessica Chastain. The film takes place over a weekend in the high Atlas Mountains of Morocco and explores the reverberations of a random accident on the lives of both the locals and the Western visitors to a house party in a grand villa. 
Cave Rescue. This is one about the the group of people, the elite divers that go to rescue the boys' soccer team uh, mm-hmm. that happened. This is not the Vigo Mortensen one, though. All right, this is a, a different one. Uh, I think the Vigo one is on Prime or will be soon. I'm not sure. Uh, Abandoned, featuring. Listen to this cast: Emma Roberts, John Gallagher Jr. Okay, solid. Michael Shannon. After Ooh. a young couple moves into a remote farmhouse with their infant son, the woman's struggles with postpartum psychosis begin to intensify as the house reveals secrets of its own. I guess that Michael Shannon also lives there. There's a documentary called Hold Your Fire. This features the uh, story of Shaib Rahim, who was stealing guns to kind of for self-defense purposes, which turned into the longest hostage siege in NYPD history. New to Blu-ray, Matt, uh, Sean Baker, one of his earliest films that he directed was Xing Ching Sao. Takeout is being released. An illegal Chinese immigrant falls behind on payments on an enormous smuggling debt. Ming Ding has only until the end of the day to come up with the money. Features commentary by Baker Sao and actor Charles Yang. New interviews, deleted scenes, and more. Now, Matt, this next film has been on Shudder for a while. I've wanted to check it out. I don't know if you have The Amusement Park is being put out by RLJ Entertainment. This is one of the lost George Romero films. has a brand okay. new 4K restoration. And this is a shot between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Um, it's about an elderly gentleman who goes for what he assumes will be an ordinary day at an amusement park, only to find himself in the middle of a hellish nightmare. Includes audio commentary, uh, some making of featurettes as well. Uh, did you ever see the amusement park or no? I know it's been on Shutter for a bit. That, no. I have not seen Man, it. I do want to check this out. Unearth Films is putting out Evil Dead Trap 2, Hideki. Scorpion is putting out James Kahn's film. Well, actually, he stars in it. Rollerball. The uh, Val Kilmer. Is it Val Kilmer? No, it's Brad Pitt. Cool World with uh, Kim mm. Basinger. An animated Kim Basinger <clears throat> is being released by Shout Factory from a brand new 4K restoration from the uh, original camera negative. One of my favorite 90s Bowie tracks is from that film called Real Cool World. You should check that one out. Uh, UHD releases the Jackie Chan movie Dragons Forever. I've heard great things about this movie, Matt, but I have never seen it. What else? Platoon from Shout Factory is getting its UHD release. Monty Python's Meaning of Life getting a UHD release. Mm-hmm. Fatal Attraction, I Will Not Be Ignored, Dan, is getting a UHD release. Uh, Friday the 13th, the original UHD. Mm. Uh, I hear there's movement supposedly, in the Friday the 13th world. That film, mm. that franchise, has been under a legal, in a legal quagmire for, what, almost 10 years now? And yeah. um, there may be movement on a new film. The Val Kilmer, now we got the Val Kilmer, real genius, getting released in 4K. And, of course, we did discuss The Fog. Matt, I had a streaming pick of the week, and it is gone from my notes so why don't you tell us what should we... No, I do straight to DVD. You do streaming. I do streaming, yes. So what is the streaming pick of the week while I find out what happened to my straight to DVD pick? All right, so um, I'm going to recommend a TV show because it is my favorite of the new Trek. Even as much as I like Strange New Worlds, I love this one so much. It's just it's just so good. It's so much fun. The season three of Lower Decks, the um, cartoon... Uh, comedy, uh, life as a low-level Starfleet officer on an unimportant ship uh, is out on Paramount Plus, and it continues off right where it left off, and it is fantastic. It is hilarious. There are 
space bug orgies and there are diplomatic snafus and it is a lot of fun. Uh, if anybody, if you like Star Trek, and even if you don't, um, but even if you like, if you like Star Trek, you're gonna really, really owe it to yourself to watch Lower Decks. Well, uh, no, because I don't have Paramount Plus, so I, I can't mm-hmm. do that. I hear they're doing into a, working a deal with is it Showtime for like an extra five bucks you can add Showtime to your plan. Oh really? Yeah, I, I think it's Showtime. Okay. Yeah. All right, I found my straight to DVD pick of the week. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Attack of the Fifty Foot Cam Girl. Beverly Wood. <laughs> Is one of the biggest stars on social media. Millions of fans subscribe to her sexy cam shows and buy her products, and it seems like everyone loves her. Everyone that is except her husband, Bradley, and Fuchsia, the young upstart who secretly plots to bring Beverly down and take over her online empire forever. But when Beverly's latest and untested brand, Unholy Meat Ramoni, and then meat as in like steak, I'm assuming, nothing else inappropriate, gives her some gargantuan side effects. She becomes an even bigger force to be reckoned with, ballooning to beastly proportions, Matt. The now 50-foot-tall influencer becomes super large, totally in charge, and ready for revenge in this wacky comedy that's positively bursting at the seams. Wow, great delivery. Thank you. Good job. Good job. I'm good. Mm -hmm. (sighs) All right, Matt. You going to do it? Are we going to do it? We're going to do what, Matt? I'm Darth Marendi, author, dreamweaver, visionary, plus actor. You are about to enter the world of my imagination. You are entering my dark place. All right, Matt. So last week, you disappointed our audience. I yes. I got phone calls. People don't even have my phone. Uh, I'm sorry. Emails. Somebody mm. sent me a letter, an actual physical letter, wondering. Uh, I'd be more worried that they know where you live. <laughs> what happened last week? Well, we didn't get Matt's discussion of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place episode two, Hell Hath Fury. Mm. But this mm. week, yes, I think we're good. We're good. What are your thoughts on Liz's adventure in Dark Place? Um. Yeah. So I've been. <coughs> excuse me. I've been recovering, so I, I got to uh, to watch quite a bit of Dark Place um, while I was recovering uh, from my my illness. I thought it was I thought it was quite good. I mean, here's the thing that I really like about Dark Place is that one, it really nails the kind of uh, like micro budget um, BBC uh, horror '80s things that you would see like on Channel Twenty at like 10 o'clock at night. I mean, my favorite, my favorite gag that's just is, I don't know why I think it's so funny is when they're driving in their little electric car and it's always like in a sound stage, but there's like <laughs> curtains around them. They make no effort to make it look like it's even outside kind of thing. Um, and you know, and just the kind of, uh, you know, blatant, um, you know, uh, matter of fact misogyny that just really just puts upon Liz. <laughs> and that's really what happens with this one. Whereas, uh, Liz, if you didn't know, has psychic powers, as you know, many people do. Um, but because she is completely ignored and put upon, uh, she lashes out with her psychic powers. But fortunately, it takes our three heroes question mark um, basically <laughs> the entirety of the episode to figure out that, that she's the one causing it. It is hilarious. Um, although Liz didn't get much to do except other than scowl and look uh, and look scary and throughout the whole thing. I love the part with Stephen Merchant too as the chef. But the chicken, <laughs> yeah, so many great doctors stuff. need their chicken. 
<laughs> uh, so what are you going to give this one as a grade? Uh, I think I'm going to give this one a B plus. B plus, huh? Yeah. All right. I guess that's okay. B plus. Thanks. Good. All right. Let's keep rolling then, Matt. And let's go ahead and talk about Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth and the rest in Resurrection. Go away. Please, David. Go away. You heard me. You speaking to me? Of course I'm speaking to you. Why are you here? You're in the park. Stay away from me and my kid. Well, you approached me, madam. I don't know who you are. Don't play fucking games. Why are you here? Why now? Okay, you are mistaking me for someone else. You piece of shit, you motherfucking goddamn piece of shit. Ben is with me. Ooh, outside of the profanity, Matt. What does that even mean? Ben is with me. I know. Shocker. Man, I wonder what that's about. Weird. So, Rebecca Hall plays Margaret, Matt. She is a very successful businesswoman. She's in Albany, and she has a lovely young daughter, and she's basically kind of got her whole life together. And then all of a sudden, at a conference, she sees a man, played by Tim Roth, who uh, go by, goes by the name David, who is a man from her past, from a dark period, a very, very dark period in her life. And she is now terrified that he has come back for what? You're going to have to watch the film to find out, Matt. So Rebecca Hall, I think, has been on quite a streak lately, right? Earlier this year, I maybe it was last year at this point, The Night House, which is a really interesting little thriller. We didn't do it for the show, I don't think. I watched it. Do you have a chance to see it at all? It's been on my list of things to see, but I just haven't caught up with it. It is it is streaming out there somewhere. I forget where. Yeah, it's 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 good if you haven't seen it. She also directed Passing, which we mm-hmm. did do for the show, which I think is mm-hmm. mostly successful in interesting mm-hmm. film. And of course, let's not forget Godzilla Godzilla vs Kong, and she will be sure. in the sequel as well next year. So, right. <laughs> either way, I've been impressed with Rebecca Hall's work for quite a while, and I was really anxious to see this. It's supposed to be very good, very tense, with a really interesting ending. True. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on Resurrection that starts like your traditional kind of stalker thriller that I found at times very engaging, very unsettling, and very well performed by Hall and Roth. Lots of great stuff here that takes a sharp dog left turn at the end mm-hmm. of the film that I'm curious to see uh, your reaction to. What are your thoughts on Resurrection? Yeah, so I think you, I mean, you're spot on. Initially, this thing kind of starts off with your typical kind of uh, paranoid thriller, stalker. It's interesting because, you know, Rebecca Hall plays this character who is, you know, obviously we we empathize with her, but I don't think anybody would be necessarily blamed if you said you didn't wouldn't want to hang out with her. She doesn't seem like a very fun person to hang out with for the most part. Um, but uh, this thing, like you said when the kind of reveal or the initial reveal happens of kind of the, the history of this character, it's so outlandish that it just kind of calls into question is any of this really happening, right? Is, is I, I I think for me, it's like, I believe that something happened with Rebecca Hall's character, Mm -hmm. but is it, did it happen the way that it, I, that it 
just she describes it kind of thing because of all these people around her orbit are talking about how she's gone off the deep end again kind of thing they seem more concerned with the fact that she's kind of losing her grip on reality sort of thing coupled with just the out just the out there performance of 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 David by Tim Roth and then ultimately what ends up happening I yeah I don't know I like I I really I really am kind of coming down on the camp that that something happened to Rebecca Hall's character I don't know if it's exactly as she describes it She's in a different place in her life. Something triggers her to kind of collapse all the stuff to come together. And what happens with Tim Roth afterwards is mostly in her own head. Like, I think, I don't think it's real. That's where I'm coming down on it. And I'm okay with that, but it, I don't know. I'm interested to see what your thoughts on this are. So, yeah, I don't know if the ending is literal. All right, I'll start with that. I don't know if it's literal. I think part of the challenge, and I did some research on this too because I was really intrigued by this film. And the director, it's written and directed by Andrew Simmons, and it was the ending of the film that hooked Rebecca Hall into wanting to make the movie. And so the the first two-thirds is, I think, quite literal. I think it's very, unthe- it's very authentic and unfantastical. And then at the end, it takes this kind of Grimm's fairy tale turn right and it's unnerving it really is and it's now i wonder like you say matt is it possible that she's just cracked after seeing this guy after so Mm -hmm. long or maybe even just seeing a guy that looks like him Mm -hmm. right because there is a scene too when her daughter says to her very matter of factly you're having an episode not Mm -hmm. what's wrong what's going on mom it's which is means that it's just something that i think that has happened before right so, I'm not sure. I think that Simmons leaves this up to your imagination. He wants you, as the viewer, to make the call. I lean towards, I think at this moment, and I may change my mind on this, of it being potentially yes, potentially literal. Potentially being this film that takes place in this kind of Grimm's fairy tale universe where it's not so much. See, ah, see I don't want to say because I don't want to spoil it, right? So sure. that he's been. Mm, okay. Yes, I'm just going to say that. I think it's possible that in the universe, why the, the ending is so effective and so unsettling as it is, is because. Simmons has done such a great job creating this normal existence that it, that our characters inhabit. That at the end, everything kind of gets turned on its head. And the daughter's reaction to that. Is it happening in Hall's and Margaret's head? I don't think so. I think this is just a crazy world that we didn't realize we were living in the entire time. I kind of like that. Now, I want to clarify. It's not a crazy malignant twist, right? It's mm-hmm. not this fun... Mm-hmm out there like oh damn kind of a thing at all it's just very like wtf type of moment mm-hmm. that the film takes so i think that's where i land on it yeah see i think where i think i land on the fact that it's not real that it's either in her head like 
this this movie made me think of two things and i don't think that this movie necessarily is like either of these but one is possessor from last year whereas the conceit of the film is set up as like this is something that happens in this world right whereas this doesn't do that to your point it's very this is very you know realistic up to a point and then all of a sudden it shifts and then you start getting these kind of you're having an episode mom kind of thing. And I think he does that to keep you off balance. And I think obviously whatever interpretation you come up with is, is fine. But for me, I think that that shift where it's key that he, that, you know, everything before it is normal is, is I think, I think a, a big part of where I'm coming down on this. And then the other part of this is it, it reminds me a lot of Jacob's ladder, right? You know, like where you get this idea that there's this, it kind of keeps you off balance. There's these flashes of these things that can't possibly be real, right? Like how can they possibly be real? Are you, I mean, the, where that film ended up is a different place than where this one ended up. But again, I feel like it could be, this is either taking place in her head. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't kind of buy the fantastical element of it too. Although I, I guess that is, you know, a perfectly valid interpretation. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, a couple interesting things about the film too, when I'm watching, is the undertones of um, women in body autonomy. I think is mm-hmm. interesting in this. Now, the director states that he had no intention of introducing any, you know, discussion or topical stuff about abortion or anything in the film at all. But mm-hmm. I think the acts that Tim Roth character takes in this kind of toxic. I mean, it's not so much toxic masculinity because his more is just he's just this guy's just crazy, possessive, and in a mm. stalker and all of that. But the whole, I wonder if there is, and maybe this is a bit of a tell, is the whole men's rights movement, at least the, the super dark right wing side of all that stuff too, is manifested in his character. I love that what Roth does though when he plays David is that for him, he's just a guy trying to reunite with his lost love. Right, that's mm-hmm. how he plays it pretty much, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to get her back. And he is creepy as all hell because he's so he plays it basically so straight, as does Hall. And I want to state too, the whole film, the linchpin of this the film for me is her monologue, the single take monologue where she describes the relationship that she had with David and what brought her to her point in life and where she is is harrowing. And one of the most intense performance scenes that I've seen this entire year. I mean, it is disturbing and very unsettling. And it's worth watching, I think, just for that scene, really. Can you imagine being that intern, though? Whew! <laughs> My God! Hearing that story from your boss? I mean, that's a... that You're going to HR with that one. I don't know yeah. if that's something you're going to be keeping inside. But still... Interesting, interesting film, Matt. Resurrection. I am giving. I. I. Hmm. I, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a. It's in a B category. I'm vacillating between B and B plus. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm still so unsure about its turn. Yeah. But I think, you know what? I'm going to go B plus, given the strength of Roth and Hall in this thing, and the fact that I don't. No, 100% what happened. I like that about it. I like the ambiguity. B plus. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a B. 
I I think I, I think it's not a, necessarily a hundred percent successful, but I think it will make you think. Yeah, Hall is just a she's a, a hurricane. She's a force in this film, and I really think needs to be watched just for that performance alone. And of course, the ending we're gonna be like what? But still. <laughs> Uh, Resurrection is available basically to rent now on all of your digital providers. It's going to run you about eight bucks. Um, it will be on Shutter, I think, relatively soon as well. It is an yeah. IFC Midnight Shutter joint production. So if it's not out there by the time you listen to this, it will be. Shoot us your thoughts if you have seen it. What is going to say? Facebook. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Get it together, Chris. I know it's late, but that's all right. You got a show to do. Matt. Why don't we close out the big show with the return of everybody's favorite fill-in-the-blank game, TFR Libs. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Let's do it. Listen, folks. Listen. Folks, please. The Boogeyman is at large. He's got no choice but to emerge. He is an apex predator. When he surfaces, there will be no pause. There will be no empathy. This ends when Michael is dead. Michael Myers will be executed tonight, and it will not go without witness. We need all of you. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. All right, everybody, calm down. The sheriff's department. No, 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 sheriff. We will not calm down. We have watched your department fail, fail tonight. This is Haddonfield. This is our town. He killed my daughter 40 years ago. And desecrated her body. Evil dies tonight. God damn it, Bracket. I am the law, not you. Matt, it's sweeping the nation. Evil dies tonight. It's all over TikTok. Evil dies tonight. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can't get away from mm-hmm. it. Sure. That, of course, is from Halloween Kills. Allegedly, Matt, David Gordon Green has been tweaking the ending of halloween ends for mm-hmm. a couple months now i mean i don't know right. how it's gonna end all i do know evil dies tonight uh, we'll see hopefully it won't be the end of michael myers though they'll probably will reboot the franchise at some point something sure. will happen sure but sure. this version of the halloween franchise evil dies tonight it will end this version wow. right so mm-hmm. matt let me ask you the big conclusion of Halloween Kills will feature a basically what's how's it going to end? What's going to happen in Halloween Ends? Oh, jeez! I think what's going to happen is so. Who's still around for this? I, I sh- I'm embarrassed to admit this, but who's who is Jamie Lee Curtis is still around for this, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay, I could not remember her daughter. Was- her daughter didn't survive. Judy Greer didn't die. Correct, didn't survive. Right. Correct, Poor she Judy did Greer. die. I love yes. Judy Greer. Or as they say, Judy Greer. Evil Judy dies Greer. tonight. Tonight dies tonight. Yeah, Judy <laughs> Greer's gone. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you for so it's clarifying. Jamie Lee and her granddaughter, I think. Yeah. So what's going to end up happening is that there's going to be a um, long, drawn-out battle, probably in their original house. Um, they're going to hit a lot of the same beats of him chasing her around that house. Either one of two things is going to happen. Jamie Lee's going to sacrifice herself, and her granddaughter is gonna shoot michael off the balcony and she's gonna look over the edge and he'll be gone and so will jamie lee they'll both be gone and then cue cue john carpenter or she's gonna blow up the house and it's gonna be like alien 3 where she's like ripley falling into the fire holding on to uh, michael myers to his death a lot of people don't know about Jamie Lee Curtis. goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus that's what i hear so uh i don't know 
I'm not sure what's going to happen with the uh, Halloween ends. I want definitive closure. I don't yeah. want a looking out over the balcony and the body's all of a sudden gone. I don't. Yeah. I want I want a good decapitation is what I'm looking for, basically. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. Jamie Lee holding the head up saying, Evil dies tonight! Or died. Throw died, that in the yeah, past, past tense. tense. Yeah, exactly. And then her granddaughter picks up the mask and puts it on and starts everything anew, right? That's how you go, I think. That would be mm-hmm. the way to go. No, I don't know about the granddaughter part, but still, I wanted I want a definitive ending. I don't know if Jamie I'd, I do I, I think I'd like Jamie Lee to survive. I think so. I don't know. I think this has got like too much of a happy lives, ending. Just, I think she'll be like, you know, uh maybe she's just done. I don't know. I really don't know. Um but you know what? Jamie Lee keeps coming back, so who's to say? Could be. You know, it'll be. It'll be. Um, why am I blanking on the movie now? Oh, yeah, it'll be uh, Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice all over again, where she'll she'll have Michael Myers, and then she'll have to push the spear or whatever it is, it, drag him into it. Right? What ends up piercing mm-hmm. her own heart? There you go. Right. Zack there Snyder go. style with lightning yeah. and shit. <laughs> That's right. Why did you say that name? <laughs> Why did you say Michael? Why did you say that name? <laughs> what do you got? All right, so I'll, I'll stick. Uh, I had one that's kind of adjacent to that, so I'll stick to that. Um, so we got our first uh, images of the Hellraiser reboot that's coming out on Hulu. Looks pretty creepy, as Chris alluded to. There is some movement on the new Friday the 13th, um, mm-hmm. which would be exciting. I honestly didn't hate that... Uh, that reboot that they did about 10 years ago. Um, yeah. I thought it was fun. Um, so my question to you, Chris, is blank is the best horror reboot. Hmm. All right. So Nightmare on Elm Street is dreadful. Out. It's out. Which is too bad. I thought Jackie Earl Haley was a great Freddy. I thought he was good as mm-hmm. Freddy. It's just that the mm-hmm. movie is just incompetent. Yeah. Uh, Friday the 13th. Then there's Halloween. There hasn't really been a Hellraiser reboot yet, right? So I don't know if we can't count that. One of mine is the woke Hellraiser reboot will be Blake. There's some of that on the internet. I don't believe it's woke. I like the idea of a female pinhead, though. That's kind of cool. Anyway. Yeah, uh, a, a, a androgynous uh, pinhead, you know? I don't even know if you can say that uh, it has gender. True. True. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Uh, what's the best re- ho- horror reboot? Mm-hmm. So are we sticking like the big franchises type of a thing? No, then? just anything. Anything. I know my answer. It's not a big franchise, but I think it's the best one. Oh, oh. See, and I gotta open. I gotta expand my thinking. Then mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards uh, Fidi Alvarez's Evil Dead. Mm. I think that is very, very good and really captures the spirit of the original film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a good one. I have caught that multiple times um, lately. Um, really good. You know, it's it's. Solid film. So, uh, I guess I'll go with that because I can't really think of anything off the top of my head outside of that right now. I'm sure you're going to see something relatively brilliant. I'll be kicking myself, but I'll stick with that for now. I mean, I don't know if it's relatively brilliant, but I would go with uh, uh, Alexander Asia's uh, The Hills of Eyes reboot, I think is, Mm. I think is, I mean, there's no more to it. I think the first one is not good at at all, Um, but... Somehow he manages to elevate this material into something that's actually genuinely scary and disturbing. And I think um, overall, I think it's the most successful of the horror reboots that we've seen. Now, is it a reboot or a remake? There's a difference, right? Because a remake is The Hills of Eyes. 
A reboot, mm-hmm. I thought it was more when you're bringing in previous aspects of an existing franchise and restarting it fresh, like Scream. Yeah, but then would but then would would Evil Dead count because they haven't they haven't made any more? Yeah, but it. Yeah. So what would Evil Dead be? I think Evil Dead is a reboot because it's the same book, it's the same cabin, mm-hmm. right? It's not a remake, I don't think. Because if it was a remake, I think you'd have an Ash character. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a He's reboot. He's at the end. Groovy. Right. Isn't he at the very end, at the very, very, very end of the credits? I'd forgot. I don't even remember. It's been so long. Um, so, yeah, I got it. See, we didn't we learn all this by watching that Scream re- remake reboot thing? What they call it, a requel? A requel. Oh, yeah. That's right. So, yeah, I don't know if Hills of Eyes is technically a reboot. Mm. I think it's tech. We'll have to look that up. Either way, when it comes to... I'll stick with my word. When it comes to remakes, I think the Hills of Eyes remake is very good. And it's, as you said, far superior. One of the best. Like, The Thing is another mm-hmm. one, right? But um, The Fog, that remake of The Fog with Tom Welling, that... No, that's horrible. That's actually horrible. <laughs> but the Hills of Eyes is... Even the sequel's pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. Aja wasn't involved. I think he produced it, but he didn't direct the sequel. I think that okay. one's pretty good too. Because that first OG one is dreadful. It's not good. But that's a good pick. I like that. But in the end, I like my Evil Dead one better. So good, you're still wrong. Fair enough, Matt. <laughs> the James Mangold helmed Indiana Jones Five will be blank. So refresh memory. What has James Mangold done? What else has he done? Uh, well, he did The Wolverine. He did Logan. He did um, some other things that I will pull up right now. I did not care for a bunch of his stuff. He did Ford v. Ferrari, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Did he direct Copland or did he just write that? I think he directed that too. Let's check a look. Yep, he directed Copland. Girl Interrupted. Uh, Identity, ooh, I'm not a big fan of that. Walk the Line, 310 to Yuma, I don't care for it. Night and Day, which is a film I abhor. Mm-hmm. I That's mm-hmm. the Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz movie that I yeah. is just really, really bad. Uh, yeah. The Wolverine, Logan, Ford v. Ferrari was the last uh, film he directed, which I think is quite good, but is like top shelf dadtainment. Mm-hmm. And then the untitled fifth Indiana Jones movie. The thing that's got Indiana Jones going for it is it's got Phoebe Waller-Bridge in it, and I think Mads is the bad guy. Oh, you know, Mad always plays a good, uh, good bad guy. I think uh, Banderas is in it. Toby Jones is in it as well. So, but you know what? If you had gone, if I had gone into Crystal Skull and you had said Kate Blanchett is the bad guy, I really like Kate Blanchett, and um, look how that turned out. So, I guess. Um, I just have a bad feeling. I think it's just going to be a disaster. I think it's going to be just, it's going to be not good. Give me some Trump. Not good. Very not good. I don't think I have that bad. clip loaded anymore. Uh, okay. Yeah. You don't know shit, Chris. Oh, wrong one. I didn't mean to hit that. Yeah, no, I don't have that. Sorry, buddy. How about, uh, I'll it's give okay. you, I'll give you, how about one of these? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think it's going to be not good at all. Yeah. I, you know, I started re-watching uh, a little while ago, Crystal Skull. I was doing some work mm. on something else. And it's, it's still, not, I only got halfway through it because I had mm. to stop what I was working on. 
the first half of it was not as bad as I remembered. So mm. I don't know. I gotta maybe I gotta finish that. Either way, I'm not super confident. I th- I hope that it'll be better than Crystal Skull. But man, how old is Ford now? Eighty. Well into his eighties, right? I I don't know how that's gonna shake out. I mean, he he's exactly eighty. I don't know. I mean, in Crystal Skull, and that was what ten years ago. Yeah, he looked pretty arthritic in, in the Crystal Skull. Yeah, not from what I understand what you're saying, Patrick Stewart bad in yeah. Picard. Yeah. But still, it is... Um, those scenes when he's... They mostly pull off the stunt double stuff, I think. And they do yeah. make a bunch of jokes about his age. Yeah. But I don't know, man. 80, that's rough. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Mangle. I, 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 all right, Chris, answer the damn question. James Mangle Helm Indy Five will be adequate. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I love your enthusiasm. We'll have to see what comes out right <laughs> on this one. I'm like, I'm gonna walk out of the theater and I'll say, you know, I didn't hate it. Yeah, you know, that was adequate. <laughs> uh, all right. Um. So. Uh. We got Clerks three coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, we've also got uh, Tusks, a Tusk yeah. called Tusks coming out. So um, Kevin Smith will blank all of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure he would love to sequelize all of his films, sure. Mm-hmm. But I think he will. At this point, he's just gonna. I'm gonna make up a word. Nepotize. Mm. all of his films he and you know what i used to think and give him a lot of poo for that but you know what you get to make movies for a living you want to make them with your kid you want to have your wife involved you're basically raising the money on your own right i'm not gonna give you a hard time right just give me something entertaining and for the most part i think smith has done that there's some been some missteps along the way but for the most part, I think, okay. And I am eagerly looking forward to Clerks 3. I am okay. hoping it will be a return to form. I am in the group that loves Clerks 2. So, uh, yeah. That's, I guess, what I'm going to say. What are you saying? Uh, so, is, is Screen Running going to do a special episode for, like, uh, for Clerks 3? Not only are we doing that, Matt. We are going to the Roadshow version. Oh, so Juan wow, and I have bought. That's going to be showing at Tampa Theater in mm. October, November. I can't remember which. So we bought tickets to that. So even though Clerks Three will be a fathom event, like what this month, right? It's this month. I think so. Yeah. We're not going to do it then. We're going to wait for the road show a month later and okay. do the whole thing. We may even try and do something live. I don't know. We're we're trying to figure it all out. But yeah, we'll be yeah. doing the road show and roll report back. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so Kevin Smith will will keep making lackluster movies, um, and then all of a sudden he'll make some kind of brilliant return to form when he's like sixty five. That'll kind of kick off a, a renaissance of his career. That's my that's my fill in the blank of my prediction for Kevin Smith. I hope so. I'd love to see that. 
I would love to see that. Oh, by the way, uh, King of the Crystal Skull, 14 yeah. years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. 2006. So yeah, he was 66 <laughs> when that was out. Okay, great. 14 years ago. Matt, Netflix, I we talked about the Hellraiser reboot a bit. Um, mm. I'll let you choose. You can choose which one. The woke Hellraiser. I'm just kidding. The Hellraiser reboot will be blank or be uh, Netflix offering a cheaper ad filled tier is blank, which uh, lets your fancy there. Okay, so I'm gonna say Netflix offering the cheaper ad tier uh, is the way of the future. I mean, Hulu already does it. Um, mm-hmm. I hate it. Um, I wouldn't hate it so much if they did if they would just give you the ads all like all at the beginning, yeah. whereas Hulu they will intersperse them throughout the damn thing. And it's like, why? Like, why are you doing this to me? Just give me all your ads at the beginning, at the end, and, and fine. Um, I hope that Netflix doesn't do that. But I, I can't really fault them. They got to keep making money somehow. Well, didn't Hulu, for the movies, don't they do them all at the beginning? They do. They do. For You're right. For the movies, they do them all at the beginning. But for TV shows, it's just like walking watching a TV show on cable. Like, I mean, they just interrupt the show with, commercials are they at commercial breaks or that like in weird parts of a scene it's a good question i haven't really noticed i've gotten pretty good at dr- of, of drowning it out i'm not sure i'll have to pay attention next time fair enough yeah i think it was inevitable giving their growth and their costs i think mm-hmm. they've realized that they're so focused on creating original content that they're charging too much for a lot of people now. And mm-hmm. the only way to kind of bring some of those people back are to introduce ads. Now, I, I'm like you. I hope they do the ads at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But we shall see. I would doubt it. But um, we'll have to see about that. I would not buy the ad tier at Netflix unless I had some kind of um, financial unfortunate event happen. Right. Would I downgrade right. to that? Uh, and I hope. I don't know, man. We'll have to see how that checks out. I'll have to I have to say too, I haven't watched a lot of the Netflix original content in a long time. I am I have not seen any of the new season of Stranger Things. I haven't seen any of the movies that I wanted to watch there. But I will say their catalog stuff mm-hmm. is really good. Yeah. Uh, the the pre existing stuff that they currently hold, I think they have a lot of great stuff on there. Like I just rewatched, I think it was on Netflix is um and i'll sound like an idiot if it's not is the uh is it the gentleman the guy Ritchie film with matthew mcconaughey mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think that i think that is on netflix that holds up really well it's the third mm-hmm. time i've watched it i watched it in theaters i watched it at home like on hbo or something and then i watched it again about two weeks ago on netflix yeah. and that is one too that i think has gotten better with repeat viewings so but yeah there's a lot of good stuff on there so good for them for the catalog stuff i like i said but that's what I do. I end up watching The Gentleman for the third time instead of sitting down to start Stranger Things or something. But I don't know. I guess it's inevitable that they had to start doing this. Yeah, you can only grow so far, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you got for me? Right, Anything so else? My last one then is uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey <laughs> will be. It's going to be atrocious. Are we going to do it? I, I think we might have to. I think we kind of have to. I'm... So break it down. What like, is how? What is this, and how did it happen, man? I don't know how it happened. I just really kind of heard about this this afternoon. Um, but apparently, it is a for real, legit 
um, reimagining, I guess we will. Whereas Winnie the Pooh is a merciless killer along with Piglet. And it's a basically a slasher movie based off of Winnie the Pooh where a guy's running around in a giant Winnie the Pooh suit. So basically what happened, yeah, is it went into the public domain. Okay. The Winnie the Pooh went into the public. Now the Disney version with the red shirt, that's yeah. still copyright. Okay. But the original version uh, exceeded its limit and is now public domain stuff. So yeah, from what I understand in the film is that Christopher Robin abandoned the uh, characters and the, uh, what is it, the Seven Acre Wood? The What is it called? Uh, yeah, I think it's the Seven Acre Wood, yeah. So they went feral, basically, is what happens. <laughs> And they're all, and so they, I guess, Pooh and Piglet killed, like Eeyore, and I guess some mm-hmm. of that's all in the trailer. You can check it out, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it looks really, really bad. But um, maybe we'll have to squeeze it in in October. We can discuss yeah. the uh, Winnie the Pooh horror film. What yeah. do you want to see next? Is there any other classic children's character that you'd love to see enter the public domain? You see a horror film with that would have been a good T. Far Libs, Chris. Where to get your ass together? Yeah, um, Peter Pan, maybe. Peter Pan overall is creepy as, as hell. Um, like you could do something with that. Whereas oh. like Hook is like the is like the is like the hero uh, trying to rescue Peter the the boys that uh, that uh, Peter Pan abducts the do God knows what with. I know there's a lot there's a real dark angle to Peter Pan, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, a man sure like is. the boy who refuses to grow up and wants to surround mm-hmm. surround himself with children. That is, uh, yeah, ooh, good lord, that's a good pick. I don't know what would I want to. What would that be a good one for me? What would I want a children's property that I would love to see adapted into something really disturbing? Well, I am a fan of doing the whole you know insert the Muppets into any film type of a thing. Right, right. So, Muppets but you maintain you maintain one actor like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction and everybody else is Muppets, mm-hmm. or better yet, Reservoir Dogs, Tim Roth, and everybody else is a Muppet. But um, yeah, probably maybe it would be the Muppets or like Kermit specifically. Mm. Yeah, we could do like a Muppet. The they missed the they missed the boat on the Hellraiser reboot. It should be a Muppet reboot. You know, you could have Pinhead Kermit coming out. You know, oh, Shatter the Piggy. You're, you know, Butterball Piggy. Uh, I wish you do a Kermit voice doing that. We have such sights <laughs> to show you. That would be. Yeah. Uh... We should find somebody on Fiverr who can do that impression for us. <laughs> I'm sure, it only costs us you know a couple bucks. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> How would you fill in those blanks, folks? Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. I swear that was a full sentence. I just blended together a lot of the words. Matt, what are we going to be talking about next week? What is up? Oh, boy. I screwed up. That's usually my piece. I didn't look it up. Let me see. Here. Well, I can tell you that supposedly, if it's out, is the, uh, what is it? The, um, what do you call it? The Airbnb horror film, Barbarian. Okay. Which is supposed to be very, very unsettling. And then I guess it's going to be the Disney live action Pinocchio from Robert Zemeckis. Okay. Fair enough. There's Sounds some. Me. The Inaratu's new film, Bardo, is dropping at some point, which I definitely want to see. Uh, that vampire movie, The Invitation, I think, is in the theaters, but mm-hmm. that's supposedly not very good at all. Yeah. So we have so we'll see what else is coming up. But right now, that is our plan for next week, and we are weeks away from our next marathon, our Halloween marathon, man. And what are we discussing that month? Uh, werewolf films. Exactly. So uh, looking forward to that one. So all right, folks, that's going to be the big show for this week. 
uh, go ahead to thefirstrun.com. You can contact us there, find archives of all the old shows, look at the report card, and more. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. And I have, head on over to Apple Podcasts and uh, give us a review. It'll help other people find the show, and we'd appreciate the feedback. So uh, I guess that's it. Matt, why don't we go ahead, take an extended break. We'll see you all soon. We love you. Take care. Evil dies tonight!